Welcome to Thriving with Mental Illness, a podcast with real talk, an open and honest conversation about issues surrounding mental health. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. I'm Mikkel Buck, author, public speaker, and suicide survivor who's lived with mental illness for over 20 years. And with me is my guy, Adam. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. We are excited today to have Andrew Ramirez as our guest. So Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Yes, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so glad to have you here. So Andrew and I, I'm very active on social media, only with a few accounts that I like to follow and that I think are funny. Andrew's one of them. (laughs) I mean, not even funny necessarily, but you just have a lot of motivational things. So we kind of got connected through friends of friends and you were on um, Live Well by Polar's podcast, which is a good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. anyway, just kind of run in the same circle. So I'm really thrilled to have you on. Thank you again for being here. I appreciate the invite. Looking forward to it. So why don't you give us just a a quick rundown for anybody not familiar, maybe just like a five minute rundown of your story and and then we can kind of get into some questions. Okay. So uh, again, my name is Andrew Ramirez. Ooh, wow. When you put it like that, um, (laughs) I I am a certified high school counselor. I am proud hubby, proud daddy, uh, daddy of two, uh, baby girls turning six. Damn, the 23rd of this month. Wow. Uh, little man little man will be three in April. Um, so definitely interesting conversations and fun times <laughs> in the Ramirez household after after work. Um, I am diagnosed bipolar one with psychotic tendencies, PTSD and OCD. I am, wow, uh, I'm also living sober. I think I just checked, I'm around 912 days. Wow. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that's, that's in itself. Um, but I was officially, well, I'll go back from the beginning. I think my onset began when I was, let's say 16 years old. Um, Mm -hmm. it it was a lot my senior year in high school. Actually, the doctor diagnosed me with Epstein-Barr, which is like a more serious form of mono. And I'll never forget telling my older brother, it's, verbatim I said it's like the worst I ever felt for two weeks and the best I ever felt for a week and it was a constant back and forth and uh so I was misdiagnosed um I was officially diagnosed so what is that 12 years later I was around I think I just turned 29 um it was a lot you know I me and my wife had gotten married that March and that happened in September um so yeah, just world flip side upside down, you know, career, you know, married, thinking about kids and it just, you know, right in the face. Um, it was a lot. The, it was it was pretty nasty for about three, four years. I was in a pretty bad state, mm-hmm. but slowly but surely, you know, changing schools. I'm, again, I'm a certified high school counselor. So I was in middle school for five years and then I moved over to high school. I'm still in high school. This is year six. So that transition helped a lot. Um, just different environment, different people, just I needed it. It was kind of toxic, the, the middle school I was at during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, slowly but surely getting out of the major depressive state. Um, even during that time, I was hospitalized for a second time. I think it was five or six months after the first time. 
um, I, for suicide ideations. Um, it was a lot during that time. And, you know, you think you, you think everything's going somewhat good and, and you got your, your coping skills and everything's going well. And then the third time happened. That was August of 21. It was the third time I was hospitalized for a second full-blown manic episode. And, and that one was, I always talk about, that one was the most impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just felt like I was doing everything right, and it hit me right smack in the face again. Um, so that one, yeah, that one hit home really, really hard. And that's when I kind of didn't plan on it, but I uh, took on sobriety afterwards. Um, it, You know, I was already three, four months after that hospitalization, and I realized I hadn't had a drink. So just, you know, if it's working, let's keep on at it. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, day by day, you know, ups and downs, you know, three good days in a row, you know, 20 bad. It's, it's, you know, it's constant back and forth, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's never ending. So I have a question. When you say you weren't doing well, you were, I can't remember your exact phrasing, but a mess of Mm -hmm. it, I think. Am I remembering that right? Were you able (laughs) to work during that time? um, So the first time I was hospitalized, it was September. Mm -hmm. Then I went back in, I want to say it was February. So back to back, five, six months. Yeah, I was only off for, I went back that November. So September, November, February, back to back. And I was in a really, really dark place, probably more than this, but a solid two years. And I really questioned, can I continue to be a school counselor? Um, It was, I don't know how I got through. So that was year four and five for me. So I'm in 11 now, but, you know, when I really have rough times at work, you know, I always, I always go back to that. You know, if I could get through that, you know, it was, you know, at times I question, should I even be talking to kids about things that I'm struggling with or or I'm just struggling? I'm a hot mess myself. So, you know, whether kids are talking about suicide ideations like I had had or, you know, cutting or, you know, it's middle school is a different beast. So, Every level has its challenges, but middle school educators will say, yeah, that's that's a tough one. So, yeah, it was hard during that time. I I was definitely still full time as a middle school counselor, but, you know, it's I guess that's in the past now. So what's different about being in high school? In my head, it seems like you would be the perfect person (laughs) to talk to students because you understand when they come to you and they're not like, well, what can be sad about? Nothing. Well, there you go. Thank you so much. (laughs) So, so yeah, when I got to, so the reason why I left, I I just couldn't take it anymore. You know, leadership wasn't what I needed it to be. Mm -hmm. I feel like I was trying to get kicked out, you know, by other, by leadership. Um, but it was so tough transitioning, you know, when you go from middle school to high school is totally different. Um, but I felt like I needed that change, you know, and I've, I have great leaders, you know, leadership, you know, bosses and, and, you know, mentors as well. And slowly, but surely it takes, took a few years, but I'm definitely in my own element now. I, uh, yeah, kids know, you know, I have a totally different perspective and, you know, a big thing for me right now is I'm not about beating them up. 
you know, like you probably get that at home. That's not my forte. You know, I could drill you about what you did 10 days ago, but I care about right now moving forward and you getting that diploma. Um, so yeah, definitely my personal experiences bring something very, very different. Um, kids know that I know I'm well-respected, loved all that, all that jazz, uh, definitely great connections, but, uh, they know if you, you step into my office, your feelings might get hurt. So, you know, and I know kids really appreciate that. So mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely love where I'm at. It's not an easy school at all. It's arguably the toughest in the district, but you know, I definitely, I feel like I am made for it. So I did question you said really things started getting difficult when you were 16 years old yeah so yeah, did you I, do anything prior to that or was it really just like at 16 15 16 just out of nowhere it just showed up yeah there was definitely a trauma when i was uh earlier you know in eight nine ten range mm -hmm. um come from a broken home you know my parents were divorced and never really remember my parents being together uh, my my older sister, she's four years older. She would have more, more, uh, more insight on that because naturally she was older. Um, but <laughs> we uh, <laughs> no, we uh, I think it was a blessing in the skies. If I'm being honest, you know, we laugh about it. The four of us, me and my, thankfully, my parents are still alive. You know, it was it really was a blessing in disguise just, you know, having two different homes, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, but it was still was a lot, you know, middle school, uh, going into high school. And, you know, I was a big time drinker. You know, I was, I mean, 12, 13, 14. I mean, I was at my peak, 16, 18, 19 years old. Um, so I think a lot of that masked a lot of my my symptoms, especially mm -hmm. during that time time period. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it gets a little funny how you reflect back and you really, you know, when I was diagnosed, I really put the pieces together, you know, how everything came to be. So yeah, it was, it was a lot, but yeah, definitely a big time drinker. Um, yeah, lucky, very lucky wow. in different areas when it came to me and alcoholism. So when you mentioned that you had some skills um and you and you thought you were doing a lot of things right and mm -hmm. yet you would still you know continue to still struggle. ended up with a the third hospitalization yeah. so i guess my it. question is like where did you get the skills did you see go to a counselor did you um you know really who gave you the skills that helped you initially yeah. i mean i'm a big i'm a big observer i pay attention i'm very very self-aware so I had joined NAMI, you know, I don't even think I was out of the hospital a month and I was already at my first meeting. So that was a big part. Yeah, that was a big part of my life early on. And I, I still try to be involved. I'm just I'm not as much anymore. I just have different coping skills now. I'm not saying that's not effective. Yeah. Um, well, you probably have a lot more on your plate now with yeah. your career and now <laughs> little, yeah, guess, little man. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah but uh yeah you know you want to call a toolbox or you know i know i'm really big into uh I, i've mentioned it i actually think i've talked about it on paris's podcast brag you know routine awareness and gratitude mm 
Mm-hmm. You know, my routine is everything. Like if I'm a hot mess, if I don't have my routine, yeah, um, I'm very, uh, I guess you could say strategic, um, just the way that I operate every single day. And obviously not every day is the same, but I do very, very similar detailed things at certain times of the day. Just, I can't function, mm-hmm. um, without my routine and, you know, awareness. I'm, I'm paying attention every day. You know, certain things that may be going on with me or just surroundings um, and gratitude that really came into play in my last hospitalization. I just just I was beyond angry. Uh, Angry isn't even the word that last hospitalization, but just really being thankful, you know, for what I have. And obviously two little ones. And yeah, so, you know, you got to have that got to have those tools, you know, and they constantly need to be changing because you're constantly changing. So, Mm -hmm. What are some of the staples that you have in your routine? Because I'm huge. I, I feel like I talk frequently about um, how I'm able to live well and, and live mm-hmm. a full and happy life. Not busy, but full and mm-hmm. happy. And mm-hmm. 60%, I feel like for me, is kind of helped by medication. But 40% yeah. is about life management and the yeah. things I do or the things I don't do in order to keep everything else stable, if that makes sense. So I'm curious to know if your things are kind of the same as a lot of my things. Yeah. So in the morning, like besides wearing the same things, I pretty much do the exact same thing every single morning. Um, I'm out the door in less than 25 minutes. I prep the morning, the night before, like everything's already done. Cause I, I knew I didn't want to, think about i just wanted to be relaxed being on here with you guys um so yeah just simple as you know medication in the morning brushing teeth clothes feeding the the my our cat just the same things over and over and now i was never one to like like i go to wawa you know just get just my drinks and just just little things that i may not need every day but it's just even the the way I drive to work, it may be a little longer, but I just that's just what I do. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm typically I always play a game with uh, my colleague, uh, the principal secretary. You know who gets to work first? You know, pretty much <laughs> making fun of yeah, making fun of each other, and sometimes the gates close. And but that's just my routine now. I'm really I've never been a morning person, but it just works for me now. Um, just to have that decompressed time when I get to work. So then after work, you know, the kids and dinner and, you know, they're, they're, they're a lot. So our goal is to get them to bed at a decent time. So me and the missus have time with each other or for ourselves. So, you know, but the real thing for me is I struggle on the weekend. Um, the weekends are really, really hard for me because I don't have, that core of my routine and uh of course you know enjoying you know family time and you know activities and keeping them occupied and and just all that stuff but you know i struggle i really do struggle um you know i I joined the boxing gym last summer so you know the truth is that kind of replaced um going to group um i just that's something that i i really need for me um my time and you know, I kind of can't justify, you know, getting home late, you know, three, four times. You know, it's just yeah. the reality of the little kids and it's a lot of my wife. But, uh, yeah, it's, I'm pretty consistent, you know, and if I'm like 
me being an educator, summertime, like, like that's super hard for me. That's probably the hardest time of the year for me. But um, yeah, just try to make it work. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of the weird thing because you know routine is very important to you too. Yeah, and to be stable. And uh, sometimes when we go on vacation, you know, it's it's kind of a catch twenty two. You're excited uh-huh. to go on vacation. But you just threw out, typically... I'm rarely my lovely self on vacation. I I feel like I maintain pretty well at home. And we don't travel a lot on purpose. But, but yeah, I'm my unloveliest self, I feel like, most of the time on vacation. And it's just because my brain... There's so much anxiety because I don't know what's coming. I don't know if I'm going to be able to eat when I'm hungry or lay down when I'm tired or... Or go somewhere quiet when I'm overstimulated with noise or people. <laughs> Are you going to tell an awful story that no. outs me with something? No, okay, just, a lot of them. Just even <laughs> you, you know, Andrew, you talk about driving to work and just having your routine. You know, when you're on vacation, you don't know where anything is. Yeah. Everything is brand new, so it's mm-hmm. impossible to have a routine. Now, I guess mm-hmm. to the extent that you can, you know, get your sleep, you can do that. Yeah. Um, you can make sure you eat regularly and, and do mm-hmm. those sorts of things. But a lot of the routine is really gone. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I get that 110 percent. I feel like people who have not experienced mental illness, like living with it, what it really feels like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to somebody mm-hmm. else when they're kind of like, well, why wouldn't you not? Why wouldn't you want to go on vacation? Like I can't express the amount of anxiety and like mental exertion that comes from not knowing what to expect. And I know that's exhilarating to a lot of people. It is not to myself. It's Yeah. I actually got a perfect example. I, uh, I actually took a weekend trip to visit my mom and sister in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) driving there is different so like i'm just in the front seat and i'm like yeah this this no no this isn't for me but Mm -hmm. you just saying the not knowing that's like the fear of just in a totally different world you know it's of course it's not you know a different continent you know per se but you know just it's totally different i have no idea anything around here even though that's where my mom was born, my parents were born. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's funny we're talking about that because I just got back, you know, yesterday. So, <laughs> yeah. how, how are you? It takes me a long time to stabilize when I get back, yeah. too. Yeah. Is that yeah. the case for you as well? Yeah, it was It was a short trip. You know, just needed to go out and, and show my face to my mom and my sister. But um, it was just a solid two days. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if... If it was longer, it would have thrown me off more Um, because I kind of didn't get settled in like that. It was just go, go, go. But of course, if you're go, 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 that's that's an issue as well. Um, But no, I think uh, I think I did pretty well. Yeah, I think I did pretty well. So, you know, and then back to (laughs) back to work and and let's do it. So. Mm -hmm. So when you're at home and you're in your routine, how do you prevent life from disrupting your routine because you know as a parent as i mean anything well, and an educator too i imagine you've got some i don't know doozy of days sometimes yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> um yeah it's been a lot recently we uh my grandmother passed 
right before Christmas, our our dog, we put her down last week. Last week? No, two Thursdays ago. So yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff has been hitting us really, really quick mm-hmm. recently, you know, when it rains and pours sort of thing. And it's yeah. hard. It's it's not, you know, I'd be lying if I say it's not a struggle right now, but you know, every day, you know, every day's a new day and just I'm I'm a big competitor, so I always talk about, you know, winning every day. Yeah. You know, whether it's my sobriety or just, you know, my four different diagnoses, it's just that's just how I approach it. I, I don't I don't know any other way. That's just how I was raised. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's not. Both of us. Really, huh? Go ahead. I wanted to ask you about that because your your Instagram um, of real talk mm-hmm. underscore bipolar. Go follow him. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. don't, it's a reverse, 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 oh, reverse. <laughs> did I get it reversed? Bipolar <laughs> underscore real talk with the terrifying picture of the Joker. But you're not terrifying <laughs> looking in real life. You're a very handsome man. So I'm glad to say. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> but it's very motivational. And I grew up, um, I have all brothers. I was a college athlete. I competed in gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And I find that in some ways that really helped me with my mental illness yeah. diagnosis. And in some ways it almost made it harder because it was a different kind of fight. I was not used to a fight like this. And I've been really wanting to ask you particularly mm-hmm. about this area because I know how competitive you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, uh, so I, I always think about my dad. He, uh, I just, oh, man, I'll go even further back when I was about eight, nine years old playing soccer. I think it was my third season. And I went to practice one time. I'm never one of the greatest lessons my parents ever taught me. And I hated it. Absolutely hated it. And I said, mom, dad, especially, I think it was more towards my mom. Mm-hmm. Mom, I don't want to do this. And and they, she said it. And then my dad, you know, jumped on top and said, you showed up. You went that first practice. You made a commitment. You bought those jerseys. You did all of that one time. Next year, you don't play. But if you start something, you finish it. So that's probably one of the best, like, when it, when it comes to sports. And obviously, that's a life lesson. Um, and then further along, just basketball. You know, I was I was pretty, pretty good. You know, if I'm 6'3", if I was a little taller, you know, it would have been different. But I, I played college football for one year. Just wasn't fun anymore. I was in a really bad state, just – just didn't work out and injuries. My back is pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was, I just, I don't know how to shut that off. And I, and I think, like you said, that's, that's helped me with my diagnosis as well. But, you know, in the beginning it was, I knew how to operate in that realm, but now to use that with something I knew nothing about in the beginning, even though, even though I was living it for, 10 plus years I didn't there was no name to it so it was a it was a lot it was a lot in the beginning but that definitely helps me now you know being you know just really if you think about it only seven eight years in so yeah (laughs) now what about I know when I first got my diagnosis I had very little understanding of mental illness at all none of bipolar 
Um, people talk about it a lot more now, but when I was diagnosed, you know, I over 20 years ago, there was very little information. I didn't know anyone in my own life that had ever talked about it or that lived with it or that lived well with it. I I didn't have a lot of resources. And so I think it made it a lot. Um, I had a lot of self stigma because the Mm -hmm. only thing I did know was really misinformation of just try harder. Well, just think positive, just choose to be happy. And those things are detrimental. They can be have suicidal ideations or trying to figure out managing a mental illness. Yeah. It, um, a lot of depression in my family, you know, you could throw in alcoholism and even, you know, addiction when it comes to gambling, um, anxiety is really big. I would say depression is number one. And I always think of, you know, I know it's not always the case, but, you know, the genetic component to, to bipolar, um, it's such a long time ago and it's, it wasn't official, but my mother's mom, so my grand my grandmother from my mom, um, she was undiagnosed, paranoid, schizophrenic. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of stories there regarding her. Um, and I've heard so much research that that really falls on the mom side and it skips a generation and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, but if I'm the one, you know, I'm the one, I'm not trying to sound, you know, heroic or anything, but I just felt like, you know, almost like I'll take one for the team sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, as you know, it is, it's not easy every single day, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, talk about the unpredictability, but oh, you always have to be on your toes. You know, if you could go left really, really quick and, you know, I have really bad days, but I just, I don't know if that's why I'm, you know, I'm super intense, you know, majority of the time, because I'm always on, on guard, um, just paying attention and yeah, just paying attention and I'm super detail oriented and I try to use my OCD diagnosis as a strength. Um, but yeah, it's honestly, sometimes that's the, that's the worst out of all of them, but, uh, um yeah it's yeah it's a lot so you're active on social media you're very open so the question i know mikhail it took her a while to be comfortable being willing to to be to talk about it to put your face and bipolar or your face and mental illness together well especially with a suicide attempt too i mean there's even Mm -hmm. more you know add the layers there's another layer Mm -hmm. of stigma and it's hard sometimes to everything out there why don't you just talk a little bit about how you went from like why you decided to to be open and share and and be active and on social media that happened so i spoke about my who let me think trying i think i got my months wrong but i i think i started that my third hospitalization was August of 21, which I, I said before. Damn, I think it was that June I started it because I was already hypomanic. I was already getting to that level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just felt like I needed a different layer and I was already I was already getting to that point. Mm-hmm. So advocacy and 
I, I really, if you think about, you know, what I do every day for students for 15, 16, 17 years old, you know, what I am to them, what I know I am to them, why can't I flip it for people diagnosed just like me? So, you know, just even now, you know, what we're doing now, advocating, you know, for, for others and, you know, maybe one person listening to this, you know, when it airs, you know, when it does air. So, yeah, I just felt like I needed to do something. I needed to do more. But in hindsight, less than, I think it was six weeks later, I was in the, in the hospital for the third time. Mm. So, yeah, it was, you know, my hypomania turning into severe and, and mania. That That's how that started. So, mm. yeah. Wow. And did you post in the hospital when you were in there? no i uh you don't get you don't get a call <laughs> i um uh, yeah actually i went back to really just pinpoint you know the wording and and all that but and even when i got out i remember i posted yeah it was just pure anger mm. you know and just pure anger of of everything that had happened but you know, even before, you know, it's funny we're talking about that before I was even officially diagnosed. It was, you know, and um, I don't know. I think you I think you're familiar with my man, Jonathan Sarko. Sarko. Yep, yep. We we spoke about I had previously recorded for him recently. We talked about just being cryptic, you know, in your in your wording. And then that's a big telltale. You know, I was doing that as well. So. And then that's my thing. I I know it's hard to, you know, read things sometimes and pay attention and and go backwards, but I, I feel like I have to educate myself on, on myself. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's you know, it's interesting when you go back and you really look at something like that. So Yeah. What you're talking about being extremely self aware. I just had a great yeah. appointment with my psychiatrist. And um I just wanna say she told me that I was winning. So mm -hmm. I want to let everybody know that. <laughs> so congratulations, <laughs> <I'm> winning. <laughs> One of the things she said, though, that I actually really liked is she said, "You know what? People who live with a diagnosed mental illness, the the amount of self awareness that's required to manage your lives and live well is um like really everybody would benefit from them, but the skills." that you're able to attain from that are, are such a high level. And when I'm listening to you talk, especially when Adam asked, you know, where did you get your coping skills from? And so many of them were self-observation. That's incredible that you had the ability to be able to be that self-aware and really examine and, and implement some of those things. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Appreciate it is, you know, and then, you know, my background in psychology and it's, mm -hmm. you know, I guess it all, you know, in a weird way, prepared me, mm -hmm. you know, everything from, you know, I, I guess for me, it makes sense, Yeah. you know, and, but yeah, I'm definitely just got to learn more, got to educate more, got to, you know, because the truth be told, I don't want to admit this, but I'm going to end up back in there for a fourth time. I know there's no way around that. <laughs> I know it's, it might sound pessimistic, but that's just the reality we live in. Um, it could have happened recently. Uh, I had two episodes, um, from Halloween till Christmas, you know, it, it could have happened, you know, I, 
I got out of one and and I guess I kind of beat the other one, but did I really beat it? Cause I know I felt the same way I would have if I would have went in. So, yeah, you know, it's, you know, sometimes we, we end up in the unit. Sometimes we're able to cope and adjust outside before that even happens. But mm-hmm. you know, it's regardless, you feel how you feel. So. Yeah. You know. There's been a couple times you've, you've mentioned anger and feeling yeah. anger is that because towards the mental illness or can you describe a little bit because i think a lot of people can relate yeah. to being mm-hmm. angry about the situation but why don't you just talk a little bit about like you know, where it comes yeah. from what's directed towards and you know if yeah. you can yeah i uh when i was first diagnosed i, I think it was you know more relief you know, finally getting an answer, you know, and, and yeah. I know me and Jonathan have spoke about this, you know, where I was open in the beginning where I was more resistant, you know, the, the, the third hospitalization. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was, I was really, and I, I don't think I, the anger piece came out during, during my darkest, darkest days, darkest years, really. Mm-hmm. But you know, coming out of that and really feeling like, you know, everything was going well, like I spoke about before and, and like to, to be in that same place, you know, that reminder. And for me, it was, I was beyond angry at the idea that, you know, and I was, I've spoken about before that I was doing everything right. And I still ended up in there. And I still now I have to start over and I have to every all the work that I put into, yeah. you know, I know, I know you, a lot of people could relate to that. Yeah. And that was so much for me, you know, that that last hospitalization. And, and even now, you know, to be honest, the these last two episodes that I've had recently, like still learning more stuff and still having to. I guess I'm really prideful and like, I didn't catch it. I didn't know what, what was the theme or I didn't know, you know, what could I have done so that it didn't become that, Yeah. Um, you know, call it perfectionism or or whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. you know, and and something as little as me learning recently that during my, my dark years is, I guess I could, I'll call it that when i'm a thousand miles away from my immediate true blood family when i would visit them that transition of leaving them that would put me in a major depressive state and i recognized that and i coped and i learned how to adjust with that but recently it was the flip side me getting into a manic state going to my family so i've i never experienced that and I saw the signs and it's just, you know, so that's, I guess when you talk about anger, me not knowing that I should have known that. So yeah, that's, I guess that's the competitor side never wanting to lose. So. Do you track to become aware of these things or are these just mental notes that you are aware of? Yeah, it's, it's definitely mental notes. Uh, I, uh, I've used the, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of what's the name a good one uh emoods the the app i yes yeah 
Yeah, I've heard of. Uh, there's a few other ones I've heard of, but that's I used that for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. You know, there was there was definitely a lot to it. You know, and just as simple as plugging in those, you know, just plugging away at it and and really looking back and tracking a little bit, I felt like was helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of mental notes for me. Yeah. You know, as I've lived with Mikkel, I think part of what she tries to do is control as much as you can control because mm -hmm. mental illness seems like you can't, there's some things you just can't control with like you're talking about. <laughs> and so. so it's funny because she'll try to control, you know, as much as possible. And I think, you know, it's kind of what it sounds like you're doing is you're wanting to eventually control this thing, you know, this bipolar, like get it in a headlock <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah. eat it into submission. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. And, pretty much. And when it slips pretty out, much. and you're like, oh. You're like, mother loving. I have <laughs> Slip out again. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, but I think in that last hospitalization, I, I always say, always say the most impactful. I really learned to respect the power. You know, the, is this like I know what I am, but there I'm not beating that every time. Yeah, and yeah. to really come to terms with that, this is more powerful than I'll ever be. Um, that, and I really had to learn that that last hospitalization, and, and easier said than done. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, you know, but I try to bring myself back back to reality, and uh, you know, acknowledge that once again. So. I want to ask um, a little bit diversion of questions. I phrased that so clunkily. <laughs> that was all of it. Never mind. Anyway, you're talking about it, it. I know that you're married. You've got your two cute kids. I know just because of your account that your wife opened her own dental practice and she's a dentist mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. incredible things there. Mm -hmm. a wonderful woman. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. kind of, how have you guys been able to navigate your marriage? That's something that we get asked a lot. And so I'm just wondering. It's a lot, you know, it's, yeah. it's a lot, you know, and, and the truth is, you know, both of our personalities were, we're definitely type A, you know, just, it's a lot, you know, and, and there's definitely heated discussions and, you know, a, a lot of it sometimes is her, you know, that got to come back down to earth and a lot of the times it's me i know i'm a lot like it's i have no issues acknowledging that like yeah. i am a lot you know but also <laughs> you know but in the same sense you know i know what i bring to the table um you know i know what she brings to the table so it's a lot of give and take yeah. you know it's 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 a compromise and then that goes for any marriage yeah. you know and and there's, you know, it's it, it's tough because at times, like, I know I'm struggling and I know, and I think I, I would say, and she may or may not agree with this, my wife, but I really need to do, do a better job uh, communicating. Mm -hmm. um, I really bottle it up. And I think for me, sometimes what I struggle is, is I don't even know how to express it. Yeah. You know, I don't even know how to put how I really feel like in words. Um, sometimes, you know, I'll write, like I'll journal in my phone. Um, but yeah, that's probably, you know, 
she may she may have a different opinion <laughs> but uh, I, I would say for me what i need to and that'll be forever to communicate more and be open with what's going on so yeah but that like it's, i said that's for any marriage so yeah i yeah. feel like it's hard to do that um because frequently then people will ask me questions <laughs> And want to dig further. Well, why? Well, what can I do to help? Well, what's going on? Well, what caused it? Like, I don't know. Yeah. So having, yeah. I don't want to talk about it because I don't have any yeah. answers for you. And I assure you, I'm already beating my head against the wall trying to figure out those answers. So I yeah. don't want Yeah, that, I relate a hundred and some percent. So there were a couple I of get things that. I wanted to comment on when you said that you know you're a lot. There was this meme I saw that um, the husband says, <laughs> You're a lot. And she's like, yeah, but you're not exactly a little. So <laughs> I was just, I've been, I've been um, coming down from a pretty crazy just life with the family for the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. And so I am definitely in a hypomanic state and have been, yeah. and there are a couple pretty extreme things over the week. And I'm like, babe, like, what's your two cents? Cause I know I'm like, I can see this. I can see what's going on. <laughs> Is it alarming to you when you see this? Is it distressing? It's like, no, I just got to balance it out. So when you're here, I just got to be way <laughs> over here trying to like balance out. Yeah, what I told her, I said, it's like being in a boat. You know, if you're both on the same side of the boat and it starts tipping, one person's got to move the other way to balance it out. And I'm jumping up and down, hollering from <laughs> the side of the boat. Yeah. Something else that I saw... Um, you had posted this a, a long time ago, but about parenting and how you can be a really good parent while still living with diagnosed mental illnesses. And I wanted to ask you about that. Mm -hmm. That's also something that a lot of yeah. people maybe don't realize yeah. can actually be an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When, so when I was first diagnosed, I guess for me, it's tough to put in words. I really, I respected my wife's timeline and I respected things that we spoke about prior to getting married and, and just to start a family. And when oh, my daughter, I'm trying to think, we started trying about six months after something like that. Yeah, because we I was that was March. Yeah, it was six months after, and I knew in my heart I wasn't ready, but I didn't want to hold back, and I didn't want to be the reason why we weren't going to to start trying. Um, and the truth is, I lived with a lot of guilt, you know, for the first let's say two years of my daughter's life. I just know I wasn't there. I know I I just. I was trying to effing survive and, yeah. and that's the truth. And, and I've spoken about before that, you know, my daughter saved my life, you know, like it's, it's very like, there's no doubt about that. You know, I just remember specific moments with her. Um, but yeah, so I, I live with a lot of guilt, you know, just not being what I felt I should have been in the beginning. But yeah, I, I take it very, very seriously, you know, and I, of course, you know, I'm not perfect. I have so much to, to grow on in that realm, but yeah, that's super important. My, my connections with my kids and, 
you know, my son, he has my name. Um, and then with her, you know, it's, you know, I've said this before to, to one of my closer female students. And, um, I said, there's a reason why I am what I am with you guys, you know, because I know what you probably don't have at home, but I'm like that with my daughter, you know, it's, there's such a, you know, a father and a daughter. And the truth is, I rarely hear my female students talk about their dad. So, yes. you know, I know what I have to be, you know, there because I see it and hear it every single day. So, and of course that goes with my son too. So yeah, it's super important to me. So I'm going to ask you a question that came up from a listener. Um, it might be too personal. You can we'll no, you're good. Out no, if... <laughs> we'll bleep the whole answer if so. No, but a, a, like a serious question came in from someone that was, they were concerned about having a family. Number mm -hmm. one, in, not only just because they didn't know what kind of parent, if they'd be a good parent, but number two, they were afraid that they would pass it on to their children. And so, I mean, that's a tough, they were asking us these yeah. questions and these are very tough personal right. things. Ooh. So I'm not asking you to, to necessarily give advice, but uh, I'll answer it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> but just, the floor is yours, Andrew. Just, I don't know if you felt any of those and well, like how you came yeah. to grips with everything. Yeah, I, that we spoke about that, me and my wife. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's 100% of, you know, I spoke about the genetic component, but when I really thought about it and not so much in the moment, you know, when we decided to move forward mm -hmm. and even, you know, when you throw, when you go from one to two, you know, the truth is, and I know, I know either way, it'll be super difficult, you know, if that were to be the case, but you know, damn, I feel like there's no one better than me to, to, to be there. You know, because there's nothing like, and, and I don't mean this towards anyone in my family, but the truth is, if you're not diagnosed like me, then, you know, you could be there and you could empathize and, and of course you could be a great support, but you don't get it a hundred percent. So, you know, I, I know, of course, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, that's all, that's terrible. You know, uh, you know, you have this diagnosis just like your dad. I, I think that's BS, you know, that this isn't like a curse from hell. I don't see it like that anyway. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if that were the case, then, you know, who who better to me? And that's interesting because sort of the, the basis for that question is like, this, this is, is the horrible... worst thing that could ever happen <laughs> right and i don't think so either like it, and you know and, and one thing that we've talked about is in life you can have so many different challenges i mean this mm -hmm. is one it's like you might prefer this one over a challenge somebody else yeah. has, you know and we don't get to pick which ones all we know is that we're all going to have something and mm -hmm. it could be this mm -hmm. it could be something else but it's like you're never you're not going to escape yeah. life with no challenge. No one has nothing. That's it. Yeah. No one's got yeah. nothing. No, no, and I think that's. I think that was something, and and you said it really, really well. That when I was first diagnosed, like I thought I was done. Like, like I accomplished all of this, and I overcame so much. And I'm like, damn, so this is next. 
I remember having that feeling. Like I'm like, oh my god! Like I I was in shock when that when the psychiatrist when I was first officially diagnosed. I was shocked, you know. But it was a relief in the same way, like I said before, having that answer. But like you just said, I really thought like, all right, I finally got I finally got to the top of the mountain. Yeah. You know? So. <laughs> Yeah, it's that's you said it well. That's how I felt. So, so we'll we can uh, and I am so enjoying talking to you. But I know it's late where you are. So thank you for being on. Whatever you want, whatever you want. <laughs> but one of the things this is one of the reasons why I really really enjoy your page is you're so um, you say the word intense, but also like optimistic and aggressive mm -hmm. in like managing mm -hmm. this and conquering this. And like, mm -hmm. this is something that, Hey, we can do. We did it yesterday. We're going to do it today. Like it's very motivational. And I know just because you ask these questions, I know that you definitely believe that there are great things that have come out of this for you. And so I want to ask you what those yeah. are. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> That's the good one. That's the good one. No, I just, like I said just before, you know, with, with that doctor, and, and I don't always appreciate how much respect she gave me to really sit down with me and have that, that life-changing conversation. Yeah. But I didn't know how hard it was going to be, but I just, I felt relief that, you know, all my life I knew I was different. I just didn't know what it was. I didn't, you know, and like I said earlier in, in, in our conversa conversation tonight, like I said those words, you know, this is the best I ever felt, then the worst, and it was a constant back and forth. Yeah. But, you know, I just, I, I always appreciated, you know, and I know some people go forever not really knowing, you yeah. know, and... You know, of course, you know, things will change, but, you know, I, I, I meant what I said before about, you know, taking it on. You know, if there is a genetic component, you know, I'm I'm okay with that. You know, I know I'm a hot mess at times. I know I'm nasty at times. I know I'm super positive and motivating, like you said, but, you know, it's uh, definitely got to be on my, on my toes every single day. You know, and if this is what I got to do to be impactful to others, my students, my kids, you know, my family, et cetera, then, yeah. you know, then I'll, then I'll keep on doing that. So, cause I do feel that I do it well, not perfect, but well, so. Yeah. 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 You know, I know you're a high school counselor, but as we're talking, I kind of get like a mentor or more of a coaching vibe, yeah. you know, like you, you really care about these kids. You want to motivate them. You want to help them. Well, it's also so cute on your, your Instagram page. There's some pictures of you with students and you're like dressed mm -hmm. up in costumes with them. You can tell that you have a very close relationship and, and you've been a meaningful figure in their lives. You know, yeah. they come to take pictures with you at their graduation. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's obvious yeah. that, that there's yeah. a very meaningful connection that you've been able to offer. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I always thought about the coaching realm, you know, I obviously have a background there, but so much commitment, like oh, <laughs> so much, like, I don't know how some of my, my buddies are still married 
you know it's it's yeah. it's wow you know it's they're they they that's the way they make their impact but yeah you know i always spoke about people you know i always spoke speak about my one teacher you know such an impact in my life you know and and educators and coaches that were educators and and i just felt like i didn't have me in school so that's what i wanted to become um so yeah i'd take that really personal and you know, um, the way I speak now, times 10 when a senior is not doing what they need to do. So, you know, and I have parents' blessings. You could do, say, and do whatever you want. And, but that, I'm in year 11. That's the time to be that. So it's all, always about being better. So, yeah. So, what would you say? And I guess turning back the clock to your 16 year old self. You know, I mean, here you are. It's like, what what advice? Like, what would you tell your 16-year-old self? Or your students. Or, or your students. Right, then, then because yeah. <laughs> you don't have to delve all the way into the recesses. <laughs> but generalize it to, to yourself or your 16-year-old students or people that are in the middle of this really, really hard thing and they, they don't feel like they're ever going to make it. They're ever going to get out of it. So you high school is that high right. school? Yeah, high school. Oh, a lot man. of people hit some hard in high school yeah. for the first yeah. time, just out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. And uh, life's over. Yeah, like, yeah. I always, I always tell my students, I, you know, and even now, you know, you this is relatable. You know, I bottled so much inside. You know, whether it was family or just any other thing going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always tell my students and and the ones that I have multiple conversations with, you know, I start beating them up in the sense like, you know, you can come to me. You know, you're worthy to have that conversation with me. I just had that with a student last week, you know, just not feeling worthy that she's worth my time. Um, but you got to let that out to somebody and you have to, you know, another thing I always speak about, you have to build connections. You have to build relationships with adults in that building. You know, because for me, that one, you know, it really is such an impact on my life. So and that's the truth. Always building connections and relationships. And I still do th- do that now. So mm-hmm. super important. Well, we have so loved having you on. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for being here, Andrew. Bipolar yeah. underscore real talk, not the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime you want me back, anytime. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll definitely be in touch from here on out because it's a great community to be a part of. I love being part of the, the I don't know, the mental illness community, I guess. Mm-hmm. Part of the solution and the cheerleaders and support team and whatever mm-hmm. else. So Absolutely. Thank you to all of our listeners for being here today. We love that you come back again and again. You could submit questions that you have on our website, mentalillnesswarrior.com or on our Instagram page, mentalillness.warrior. And remember, there are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. We will see you next time. See you next time.